Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory coming at you in February after the Super Bowl. First time we've talked to you since that happened. Unfortunately, the Chiefs weren't playing. I'm not bitter, but that's okay. Thanks, Bob Sutton. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to cover the draft. We're going to cover free agency. We're going to cover all kinds of stuff. Have a new segment we want to introduce uh, later on, you know, something we're going to do throughout the, the draft season specifically. A couple housekeeping notes. Just a heads up, we will, we will be doing a, uh, a 32-play bracket tournament to determine Patrick Mahomes' best play of the season. The fact that Patrick Mahomes has 32 plays that are even worth discussing is pretty incredible. And uh, I, I'm really excited for this project we're gonna we're gonna have write-ups for every single play, kind of make a case for all of them. But we're gonna let you guys pick. We're gonna crown one play. There's there's all kinds of plays that I think you know make sense. There's plenty of plays that are even the candidate for the one seed. I think fourth and nine uh, is a candidate. Uh, I think the left-handed throw is is a candidate. There's so many plays that this kid made, and we want to celebrate them, talk about them, rank them. And, uh, and see which one comes away with the title. And uh, we'll be doing some cool stuff with, with those results. The final eight plays, I'm going to spend the summer really breaking out, breaking down, getting some, you know, try to give as much detail to what happened in every single play, a kind of a, I want to call it a long form, but a very extensive look at all those plays. It's going to be fun. So uh, be on the lookout for that in March. There will be some stuff probably leading up to that as well. We'll, we'll kind of talk about some other stuff uh, around that that whole thing. It's going to be a good time, so keep an eye out for that. And then uh, one other announcement. The, uh, the AP Draft Show will be back next Friday. So Friday the 15th, I believe, the AP Draft Show is back. Jake Stack will be back. We'll be kicking this thing off, getting ready to talk about prospects and how they fit with the Kansas City Chiefs specifically. We've got a lot of really cool plans for Chiefs-specific content for this draft, how they make sense, and uh, the likelihood of if they'll fit with the Chiefs. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, really looking forward to doing that. We'll uh, we'll have more to talk about with that here in the future. Uh, But let's go ahead and bring Matt and Craig on and do a mailbag. We got the whole group back together again. We're going to do things a little bit different this uh, this week. Everything's going to be a mailbag. All of us are... There's a lot of really good questions that you guys have asked. Like It's really... It's become increasingly difficult to answer all of your questions because there's some fantastic ones, but we're going to let it kind of drive the conversation. Maddie, Craig, welcome back, fellas. What a fun game to watch uh, on Sunday, right? Why? Because you I mean, defense? for the first half when they were actually playing defense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a weird game, guys. I just I wasn't quite. There was some enjoyable moments. Like I, I really liked watching how like like the Patriots were just letting uh, Aaron Donald just get upfield, but they were like kind of using that controlled aggression against him and like taking him out of plays and stuff like that. They but like at the same time, it's like trapped him like every play and he still beat it. Just, it was great. It was going away it, from it him. was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like some of that stuff was fun. Some of the nerdier stuff, like, no, like, don't, you don't have to sugarcoat it. Want... There was a lack of offensive adjustments all game long, <laughs> except for one drive by New England in which they ran the same play, Haas, Y, Juke, three straight times, and they hit the option route, they hit the hitch route, and then they hit the seam on the exact same play three times. That was the only offensive adjustment that was made. So, like, that's the one thing that irks me is when people say, oh, it was just a good defensive battle. Like, yeah. Except for after halftime, neither offense actually changed. They just kept smashing their head into a brick wall. 
hey, I don't know what you're talking about. The Rams use 12 personnel like midway through the third okay. quarter. They never use what? anything but 11 personnel. So what? it was just Actually, evolving since Cooper the Cup game. Is lit down, they have increased their 12 personnel usage. That's true. That's true. They have. They have. They have. They have. <laughs> Uh-oh. But the Patriots lined up in in a four three over with their safety playing their Sam and just yeah they, lined up it, in they the just six took away eleven one. personnel they did six took by one zone. it was great yep it was it was it was fun to watch sort of at moments humorous. like every now and then like every you know and then the halftime show was just I mean really made up for all that time yo um, I could do what he okay. did up on the stage I will get up there and all those people and. Strip one piece Matt, of clothing it, off every I'm, single. I'm just song gonna go with Travis. I'm gonna pretend to be Travis Scott this entire podcast, and we're just gonna have large blank spots where hey, I'm just. Hey, if you get that SpongeBob intro, we're in. Dibs, <laughs> dibs on big boy. I just come in for like 60 seconds, and I'm the highlight. I mean, and come on, bounce. you could yeah. not pull off that uh, foot <laughs> I don't know, man. I I I'm confident in my abilities. Uh, all right, let's let's jump into this mailbag. The first question is actually spurning a new segment, fellas. We have uh, at K Gumminger asks, will you guys be breaking down um, other people's mock drafts? For instance, you know Matt Miller, uh, he does a mock and uh, kind of evaluate what he picked for the Chiefs. I think that's a fantastic idea, and so it is. Uh, it's spurning a new segment. We're gonna call it mock. The mock, and I will just come out right and say this: we're not mocking it because, like Matt Miller, we're gonna we're gonna do Matt Miller's first three rounds of his seven round draft. Matt Miller's our guy. Uh, I've I've met him a lot of a lot over the last five years. We hung out with him a little bit in Mobile, and uh, he's our guy. But we're gonna kind of evaluate what we think of his selections, and we're gonna kick it right off with. Uh, DeAndre Baker, who's taken by him, by Matt Miller, with the 29th pick. DeAndre Baker's the cornerback from Georgia. Uh, Craig, I know you've you've got you've been our primary evaluator on DeAndre Baker. What do you like and dislike about him? Uh, DeAndre Baker is just going to be one of those guys that's kind of good at everything. I, I was telling these guys even before we started recording of all the games that I do about DeAndre Baker. There's not very much variance. He's just kind of good at everything but that's where it stops I don't really see the ceiling for DeAndre Baker he's going to be a fine corner I think that his top end is a very good number two corner but he's never going to necessarily be a shutdown guy he lacks a little bit of athleticism he he's just kind of there he's going to be like kind of a Steven Nelson ish but a little better than that that's what I'm saying like a number two guy a guy that you're not mad at on your team like a little better version of that what if we're mad at Steven Nelson though I know well, I, but still, the point being, he he's got better ball skills than Steven Nelson. He's a better all around player than Steven Nelson, but he's just just kind of there. Not somebody that you're necessarily going to get excited about, but you can't get mad at it either because he's a good player. Just I don't see him ever being great. Yeah, I agree with Craig, and I think kind of the Steven Nelson comparisons a good one to make because I just kind of imagine Steven Nelson, but with ball skills is the general kind of player you're getting with Baker. Now, I still think Baker's a little bit better at everything than Steven Nelson is, but it's just kind of a similar style of player, and they're very physical, especially for an undersized guy. They have pretty good feet. They they do a good job using their hands, and Baker's able to find the ball. It's just there's always going to be mismatches for him, and like little things, when you see Baker have to play man coverage and he's mirroring off the line of scrimmage rather than kind of playing a kick-step technique – he just is a little slow to react. His feet are good, just he you can tell he doesn't have just the pure athleticism and the change of direction to match up with quick receivers. And then when you put up size against him, he can still get mossed just because he is a little bit smaller of a guy. So it's just he's good. He's not great. You get him in the second round, I'm feeling fantastic. Yeah, that's kind of where I feel with him. Like I he's probably like a top 50-ish player for us when it's all said and done, but I, I just I don't want to. He feels like a single that could stretch into a double. I want a double or a triple. 
that can stretch into a home run. You know, that kind of situation there. I, I want more ceiling there. So if we were going to do things differently, I would go with a guy who is available in, my, in Miller's mock. I'd go with Nasir Adderley. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a guy we've already talked about a few times. Safety out of Delaware, uh, range, some ball skills, uh, enough athleticism, physicality. He's not scared. He's got, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's a guy I'm really interested in, and we'll go in-depth with him in the future. Uh, at 61 with uh, the Chiefs' own second-round pick, they went with David Montgomery, running back out of Iowa State. Um, he's a guy that has some Kareem Hunt traits. I like him. Uh, I, I think he's a really good player. I think there's there's some similarities to what Kareem Hunt provides. But for me, I don't know if I love the value of a second-round running back. Uh, Maddie, what do you think about him? I'm, so I like – I really like David Montgomery. I think he's a fantastic player. I love that he can play all three downs. He can be a workhorse back. He can break off good chunk plays. He's not a huge home run hitter, but he can give you chunk plays. My issue comes in with, like you said, the value in the second round for a running back in today's NFL. It's just not my favorite move. If the Chiefs are going to go offense, I'm looking towards a receiver that can eventually replace Sammy Watkins because you just know you won't be able to afford him and Hill and Mahomes and Chris Jones and so on. So you have to replace him eventually. I would worry about that on offense rather than trying to improve Damian Williams when he looked to be fantastic when getting the ball last year. You got Daryl Williams, who looked promising when he had a chance. It's just that early of a pick on a running back does not seem worth it for this particular offense or even the NFL in general right now, where it's more about what the blockers open up rather than what the runner can do. I, I'm totally with you on that, and, and I think that's going to be a, a trend for us in our conversations throughout this is, you know, I think – they can get by with waiting till the third round for a running back or later. Honestly, later. like I'm more in the line or of let's wait, wait till day three. Invest in the defense. There's some positions that we'll probably talk about down the road that could potentially be a fit here in round two for the offense. Maddie, who would you take instead of David Montgomery? So I was actually really looking hard for an offensive player to replace with Montgomery because I think this is kind of a sweet spot to do it. But in this particular mock from Matt Miller, there really wasn't a great offensive option unless you wanted to go to the trenches, which I'm just not ready to do that right now when the defense still needs help. So I went with Joe Juan Williams, a corner out of Vanderbilt, 6'2", little over 200 pounds. He can play physical off the line of scrimmage, but he's got pretty good hips and feet for a guy this size. This is the big thing that caught my eye. Last year, he had 10 passes defended, no interceptions. He turns around this year, he tops the 10 passes defended with 13, but also brings in four interceptions. So he's got ball skills. He's getting better and more comfortable playing corner. That size and just ability to turn and run is just undefeated. So there's unlimited upside, even if the floor is a little lower than somebody like Baker. Yeah, he's a guy that's really stood out. Craig, I know that's a guy you're really high on too. Love him. Love, 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 love Joe Juan. He's got two first names in his first name. <laughs> and uh, he's another guy I'm sure we'll get more uh, in-depth with. But if you're if you're listening, this is a, that's a guy you need to check out. So the Chiefs have two second-round picks. Obviously, the Los Angeles Rams uh, surrendered theirs for Marcus Peters. So the Chiefs are up again at 63, and they take Garrett Bradbury, interior offensive lineman, probably a center, from North Carolina State. Uh, Craig, what do you think about Bradbury? I really like Bradbury, actually. I'm not, I'm not a guy that's necessarily looking very hard at offensive line in this draft just because the Chiefs have quite a bit of offensive line depth in that interior, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Bradbury's one of those guys that I think it would be very hard to pass up. He's a great run blocker. He's great in space. He's really good pulling. He's a great pass blocker as well. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot of knocks that you can have against him. He does struggle with his play strength and with his anchor just a little bit, but that's something that you can get him in an NFL weight program, get him in the system, and sort of put some pounds on him. I think he's a guy that could be a top-end center, and that would be really hard value to pass up here. Would you? Uh, so, are you passing or are you are you sticking with it? I, 
you know what? My my guy DeAndre Walker, edge out of Georgia, is there, and I I <laughs> it's very tempting, but you know I think that in this situation I would go with the center. I would go with Blasphemy. Bradbury. I think he's a I think he's a much better player than than this pick right here. You're play, picking bl- best player available here. Well. Passing on DeAndre Walker is is historic here because that's that's Craig's guy. You're going to hear a lot about that's him during the season too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Pick ninety two is an interesting one too. Uh, Zach Allen in the late third round, the defensive lineman from Boston College, and I think we were all pretty surprised that he's here, Maddie. I know you 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 don't love him in the first round, but this late, I mean, pretty good value. I think the value here is pretty good, but I don't think I'm as surprised as you guys as seeing him mock this low because I think he did really struggle down in Mobile. And while that shouldn't be an end-all, be-all and kind of erase the game film, when you watch game film, he still just pretty much manhandles college offensive tackles in a way that's not going to transition to the NFL. I don't think he really has the speed to win around the edge. He wasn't given as many reps on the interior to really make a pure transition there. So you don't know what you're going to do with him yet. I don't think he's a top-tier athlete. He's solid. He has good hand technique, a high motor. He's essentially a better version of Breland Speaks, in my opinion. And I think late third is probably a pretty good range for a better version of Breland Speaks. So the value there is fine. I'm not too surprised that he's there. So if we get this pick there, he rotates up and down that D-line through sub packages. He might even work his way into being a starter because I do think he's close to being pro-ready. So the pick there is good. It's just I'm not as shocked as I think a lot of people are going to be to hear Zach Allen at one point in time rumored as a first-rounder down that low. Yeah, he's not a first rounder, and I, I don't think anybody's. It, we're not arguing that. I think just this late down there. I mean, that's that's solid value. I think he's probably a round two player when it's all said and done. So down in round three, hey, we'll take it. At Keith and, McLean, and on oh, top go. of that, but before we get into this, the real correct answer is trading your sixth round pick to get in front of the Colts two picks earlier to pick. DeAndre Walker from Georgia. <laughs> well, if we're doing so that, that, that's where you go with that answer one. was to trade Perfect. up for Bayron Murphy in the first round, but I didn't know trades <laughs> yeah. were an option. Yeah. Bayron Murphy yeah, also yeah. stands for we- Byron Murphy, cornerback out of Washington. For those that are unaware, yeah, yeah. no, that's you're right. You're right. Uh, at Keith McLean seventy eight, which position group do you expect will have the best chance to have the best? talent available at the end of round one this is a very interesting question i'm gonna disappoint chiefs fans everywhere because i'm gonna name a position that i don't think there's any chance the chiefs are gonna take this early offensive tackle yep i think the top in talent at offensive tackle Mm -hmm. is probably as good as any position in this draft besides defensive tackle and that's just because quinn williams and ed oliver are so freaky But you want to compare Jonah Williams, Jawan Taylor, Cody Ford to any other top three players in a position. That includes Edge. I think it's pretty close. And the thing is, the depth at O-Tackle, even the second-tier depth, is still incredibly high. So you're going to get a guy that I probably have a first or very close to a first-round grade available at pick 29. And I just don't see any chance that the Chiefs are going to take that guy there. Yeah, no, Matt's exactly right. It, it's offensive tackle, but just to just to throw another wrinkle in there, Go just for because it. I think that there is a chance that all three of the top guys at this position are still there late in round one. It's inside linebacker, linebacker. Uh, oh, uh, Devin Bush, Devin White, and Mac Wilson are all guys that there will be questions about coming out I think all three of those guys might be after pick 25 if you get to that point those three guys all being there that that's a loaded position group and uh the rest of the position group isn't very strong at all but those three are still very good players I've got another one to throw in there fellas because I as much as I I really was focused on trying to identify a defensive player in that first round mock with Miller uh TJ Hawkinson went 32nd. So that was the other one. TJ Hawkinson is going to, he's going to be a, a, Noah Font was on there too. Both of them. Well, both of them were, oof. Noah Font and TJ Hawkinson, I believe, went in the early third or third, or the mid 30s to early 30s in Miller's mock. Both of those guys are tight ends from Iowa. TJ Hawkinson has a very high grade, and we will get into him 
later, I'm sure. But there could be good value at tight end potentially too. So those are those are three positions that they don't really favor the Chiefs all that much because it's not corner and it's not edge rusher most <laughs> likely. But there there's some good players there that would be decent constellations even if they're not the best value for your know, best position of need. At Rudy Lowenstein asked some great questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask each one of you one of these questions. Uh, Maddie, order of importance uh, for these four positions: safety, cornerback, or three positions: safety, cornerback, and linebacker. What's the order of importance in this draft for those three? Well, so here's the trick part of this: I think the Chiefs are going to get a solution at safety before the draft comes around. I'm going to sit here and bang the table for Landon Collins. He has to become a free agent for that to happen. But if he hits the open market, I don't see much of a way he's not here unless they 100% believe Eric Berry will be back 100% healthy. Don't know how you can reach that conclusion right now. But if you do, either way, I don't see safety being the biggest need going into the draft. You either think you have 100% Eric Berry with no questions about it, or you sign somebody like Landon Collins. That ain't happening. So, cornerback linebacker that order safety after that just because i think they're going to address it before then okay i'll answer this next one do we contemplate taking a wide receiver in the first three picks what about at pick 92 so i don't think i'm gonna say that they like need to prioritize taking receiver in the second round but there could be tremendous value late second round at receiver possibly tight end i could see both of those positions in play with one of those second round picks if the chiefs don't use one of those second round picks to try to trade up you know into the first or or something like that so yeah i i think it's in play at receiver um okay craig if you had to choose the uh a pick between or if you had to pick between nasir adderley deontay thompson the safety from Alabama or DeAndre Baker, that cornerback from Georgia, who you going with? Oh man, this is really tough. I also think that they're going to address safety in free agency, but I don't love DeAndre Baker at this point. I would probably target a corner in round two. If I had to pick a guy, it's either going to be Adderley or Thompson to kind of play a free safety role behind Landon Collins and just make that a real strength with both of those safeties. I'm going to go with the rangier guy, the guy that performed better throughout the course of the year. Deontay Thompson fell off at the end of the year in a really, really big way on the biggest stage. So I'm going to Sear Adderley in that one. Yeah, there's some concerns about Thompson because some of his late tape is ungood. So he's a very fascinating prospect. You know, a lot of round one buzz, a lot of top 15 buzz early in the season. I think it's tapering off. At AC Rocker asks, two Super Bowl teams had first round running backs. Have we overstated the importance of passing offense in 2019? Absolutely not. I think watching that game, you see 100% why you don't overvalue a running back. You had two first-round running backs. Neither one of them could really get going until late in the game <clears throat> on that game-winning excuse me, when that game winning driver milking out the clock where Sony Michelle finally busted off a couple big, long runs. But outside that, Michelle wasn't doing much. Gurley wasn't doing much, and that's with two very good offensive lines in front of them. So what are you going to do if you're kind of judging that? You have to look at the importance of the offensive line making the blocks they need to make rather than the talent of the running back behind them. Obviously, another world talent like Saquon Barkley or somebody like Jamal Charles in his prime for Chiefs fans, that can make a huge difference. But if you're not getting that just top, top, top end talent at a running back, I'm not sure that it makes a bigger difference than just having a guy back there with good blocking in front of him. The the Chiefs are relevant because of Patrick Mahomes and the passing offense. They don't go anywhere without Patrick Mahomes and the passing offense. If you stuck Todd Gurley on this team this year, it would not have gone the way without Patrick Mahomes. And on top of that, the Rams added C.J. Anderson late in the year and used him a ton. He was kind of a bell cow guy for them at the end of the year, just picking him up off the street. No, first round running backs and everything like that are good. I mean, you can really win and you know manufacture points with those guys, but that doesn't necessarily nullify the importance of a passing offense. Fun fact, the Chiefs almost signed C.J. Anderson. They went with Sharkandrick West instead. I find that interesting. More fun uh, fact. But I agree. I, I, 
Oh, Rex Burkhead had the best average yards per carry in the Super Bowl. He was not a first-round running back. Yeah, there you go. I, I tend to agree with both of you. At Chief Boyard DG, how do you see the starting offensive line uh, looking for next year? So I'll go Fisher. I'll go Cameron Irving. Not super confident in that one. I'll go Austin Ryder at center, LDT at right guard, and obviously Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. Yeah, for me, it's the tackles are Fisher and Schwartz. We we know that going in. Mitchell Schwartz is probably getting an extension this year. Uh, in in the interior there, LDTs at right guard. I would put Andrew Wiley at left guard, and I'd try out Cam Irving at center. That's where a guy like Bradbury could come in and kind of solidify everything up front if you made that pick. Otherwise, I'm trying Cam Irving, and then if he can't work out, it's Ryder. I think I'm kind of with you guys there. It's going to be Fisher. I'm putting Wiley at left guard. I think he worked there in the preseason give him another offseason to figure it out. He was just such a better player than Cam Irving was. Yes, he's playing a different side, but any metric you used a great offensive lineman that calculates it in some form of, of statistical output says he was literally twice as good as Cameron Irving. I just don't see how the Chiefs can go with Cameron Irving again next year unless they're kicking him to an entirely new position like center. But even then, I think the same thing. Austin Ryder while playing center, was a better center than Irving was guard last year. So I'm going to put Ryder at center. LDT gets his right guard spot back. Then you end with Mitchell Schwartz. So do you, is that what you think or what you would? Because that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I agree. I think Andrew Wiley needs to be on the field. But I'm not sure if that's how the Chiefs are going to go. I don't like, that's think... where I'm just kind of... I don't think the staff loved Cameron Irving. I think you saw that when he was healthy. They were still shuffling him and Jeff Allen, of all people, into the lineup. I think mm-hmm. that told you everything you needed to. And then Cam Irving immediately followed that up when he did finally get starting with a false start and a hold in the same game like he did pretty much every game. When, I mean, Wiley, Cam- in, in training camp, Wiley had first-team reps at left guard. I mean, they were working him there. So... Did did Irving start the playoff game? Yes. Okay. So he start. Did he start both? My okay. So I did hear one theory out there that if Cam Irving that they held Cameron Irving out late in the season because of an incentive potentially in his like a playing time incentive potentially in his contract. So maybe that's why. Uh, Because I mean they did wind up going to Irving at the end of the year. So like, it's just, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to be kind of keeping my eye out on, out on. Like that's going to be a very know. interesting it, case because they have good. I mean, I like Andrew Wiley. Maybe Cam Irving becomes your swing tackle guy. You I know, mean, he's not, he wasn't good at tackle last year, but I could see that I, they like that versatility. Maybe he's your kind of, your just your, your utility knife that just fl- fits in whenever there's an inevitable injury. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I do think I do agree with you both though. I, I think Andrew Wiley is a better player uh, at this point. Okay. At Brandon422 asks, you can cut one player, trade one player, and draft one player this year. Keeping it realistic, what makes the biggest impact this offseason? So, uh, Craig, cut one player, that, and it makes a significant uh, impact on this team. Oh, and mine is the easiest one in the world here. It's it's Justin Houston, and the impact is fully on the salary cap. You save $14 million uh, on the cap by cutting Justin Houston this year. That amount of money can u- be used to tag D Ford or add multiple players in free agency to try and bolster this entire defense and kind of make the whole thing better. He's a declining player, still good. He's just on his way down. I'm through paying him $20 million a year. Easy cut. So I'm going a similar route with the potential trade. Ooh. This is not super realistic. The Mm -hmm. market, I've looked at the market. Keeping it realistic. This is is slightly (laughs) realistic. The market's not very big. But if the Jets, the New York Jets, are as desperate for pass rush and they have a bajillion dollars, maybe just maybe the chiefs can get a late round pick or a mid round pick for Justin Houston. 
That's just that's I it's it's not super realistic, but it's there's like a, a glimpse of a of an opportunity for that to happen. <laughs> Maddie, give us someone that you would love the Chiefs to draft realistically at twenty nine. I honestly thought you were about to say trade D Ford and I was about to start panicking trying to pick whatever <laughs> edge I could for this spot because you guys are trying to get rid of no, every no. pass rusher we had. But <laughs> but uh, no, the guy that I'm drafting, and I think it falls into possibly realistic, not likely, but realistic. We mentioned him earlier, Byron Murphy, Bayron, cornerback out of Washington. Bayron. He's a little smaller, not the biggest guy, so a team that plays a lot of press man may not be huge into him, and I don't know how well to test. I don't care watching his tape. It doesn't matter. His feet are insane. He's super fluid, and he has some of the best just kind of feel for routes that are coming in front of him. Put him on my team. I can let him play press. He's not terrible at it. It's just he's not going to sit up there and jam Julio Jones 60 snaps in a game. I can live with that. He's the best core in this class by far to me. He makes an immediate impact on this team. Uh, For those of you that were big draft guys last year, there's a little bit of Jair Alexander to, to Byron Murphy. He's got that mm-hmm. attitude. It's it's a delight. So mm-hmm. um, keep an eye on him. You, you'll want to watch him. He's a fun player. And it does seem like we're probably higher on him than the NFL. Like he gets mocked relatively late compared to where we're going to wind up having him. So that's a guy that very well could be a Kansas City Chief. I am, He's an we're all, excellent football player. We're all big fans of him. Big fans of Byron, aka Bayron Murphy. Fun fact: I believe his uncle Mercenary. is Mike Bibby. Just for those that are caring. Oh, okay. Huge news. Trade the whole draft for him. Huge news. Come this on. is jacked by <laughs> Mike Bibby right now. You wonder how come Byron, Byron does, Murphy? Does he own horses? Ooh, I'll look into that <laughs> because there is a long list of top end prospects that love to ride horses. I'm very much into that too. So, not riding horses. I've rode a horse like twice in my life. Eric Berry's going to retire if Devin White gets drafted. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe there's a deep, dark plan here, Kent. Just let it be. They're just a lot of a lot of a, a lot of equestrian uh, driven players here. At beloved mercenary asks, any chance that D Ford gets tagged and then traded? Seems like the talk is all extend, tag, or release. Is there a chance? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Uh, I don't know how good of a chance it is. Uh, what wh- what the Chiefs wind up doing with D4 is going to be very fascinating, and it's going to say a lot about his injury history. Because you remember, he came into the season, people were concerned about his back. People were concerned about his overall health, if he's going to be able to sustain for, for a full season. If the Chiefs don't think that he can play a full schedule next year, yeah, maybe they look to try to trade him. Maybe they they you know don't tag him i mean i don't think that i don't think they can do that i think that i think it's a in in a a realm of possibility that that he does get traded yeah and i guess if you look back through history the chiefs are usually involved with tag and trade scenarios between mac hassel and then i mean jared allen so you know there's a chance out there i suppose i don't think anyone's gonna pony up enough that what the Chiefs should ask for to get him though given the injury concerns but there's a chance it happens. He is an elite pass rusher at the very least. If you think he's going to be healthy, a team like Kent mentioned earlier, like the Jets, may very much want him. The Jets as a trade option may not be huge since they need more draft picks since they traded up last year, but just somebody needing a pass rush could be interested. I just don't think the Chiefs would make that move unless they had a surefire like solution right behind them, and I don't think that's Breland Speaks and Passanio right now. It's definitely not Breland Speaks or Passing. No, I don't like Ugh. either one of those guys as the Leo. They they would have to kind of play in the free agency market, I think, if they were moving on from D Ford. A guy like Shane Ray isn't going to be somebody to carry the load. It would have to be an expensive guy. I mean, somebody like Jadavian Clowney, unless you were getting a high enough pick in the draft to where you were really going to have your choice of one of these really good edge rushers in this draft, like a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen. But even then, why wouldn't that team take that player instead of taking D Ford that's got some extra mileage and some injury history on him? So, no, I think it's probably unrealistic unless they're getting a King's Ransom for him. 
Well, and if they don't get a King's Ransom and they actually do trade him, that tells you everything that you need to know about D Ford's back. And that's that's really there's just a lot of unknowns with with this with this whole offseason. There's a guy that's potentially going to play for 16 guaranteed in D Ford who's got back history. There's Justin Houston with a giant contract and some inconsistent efforts, uh, except for you know last couple games, which was nice, I guess. But um, you know, there's some concerns there, and then there's Eric Berry. So like, there's there's giant contracts or potential giant contracts looming over this team, and there's big questions about all of them. Like, how comforting is that in the Super Bowl window for Patrick Mahomes that they're just trying to deal with all these problems? It's so great. I'm not thinking about it at all. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> at, at P Flum asks, what food did you have for the Super Bowl? Did Kent have his Chipotle abomination? No, sir, I did not have my Chipotle abomination. I had a delightful Chipotle bowl order delivered via Postmates that had a little bit of an avocado peel in it the day before. It was uh, it was interesting. I got free double meat with it, but there was a little bit of a of a Chipotle pe- or a avocado peel. I had a good spread. I had uh, pizza. We had pepperoni rolls. We had uh, cheese dip. We had cannoli dip, which is the greatest invention. I will send you the recipe if you want to know any more about it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. uh, If anybody follows me on Twitter, you know that I had a better meal than Kim. (laughs) I had a better meal than Matt. So My meal was pretty good. uh, That's fine. That's fine. But (laughs) I I smoked a brisket. I say back to point. I smoked it again and turned it into burn-ins. I took some of those burn-ins and I made my world-famous whiskey chili. And it's delightful. It was wonderful. I I have been eating off of it since the Super Bowl for multiple days now. It's it's incredible and amazing. Yeah, that may have topped my meal just a little bit. Um, I actually went on like a <laughs> protein shake. I went on like a eight mile hike actually so Super Bowl morning. So carrying the kid in the backpack. Two protein shakes. So we we were down in protein shakes, Cliff bars, all the way through. I didn't eat breakfast. So on the way home, we stopped by in this little town. Just this, this little Mexican restaurant, and I ordered the uh, fajita platter for two, and uh, proceeded to eat. <laughs> Every last bit of it, including all my tortillas, except for the nasty little sour cream that comes on the side plate. Get that out of my life. And then um, when I got home, I uh, decided that I was still hungry. So I went ahead and warmed up just some leftover kind of barbecue ribs I'd made the night before. Then I proceeded to watch a very boring Super Bowl that I went back into the kitchen and snacked the rest of the night because, you know, missed one of those bad commercials or the game. Didn't really matter. (laughs) Oh, that, that is the most Matt meal day ever. It's the really most Matt is. answer. He had to give us like, I went hiking. I I, well, I, I had uh, to set I the tied table one of my shoes the, too tight. I had to set the table for a fajita of, for two. That was like twenty five dollars. Or lot, you could have just said I had fajitas for two and saved us no. all two minutes. But that's just me. I mean, because I went hiking. I don't just <laughs> roll to a Mexican restaurant and eat fajitas for two for no reason. Are you oh, sure? I do. I believe. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> Kid, that's you, why. To be fair, Kent, you have seen me eat a lot, but you have not seen me eat on days that I have also worked out. It's about double the food you saw me intake. Ugh. <laughs> I am very glad I do not have to pay your grocery bill. Yeah. At Addison, or Addison asks, is it realistic to expect similar production from the offense next year? Yeah, I think using the word similar is kind of the big part there. It's going to be hard to match, you know, that historic level of an offense performance. But what are the Chiefs really losing this year? I expect Mahomes will only be better in terms of being able to ID the things that gave him the most trouble, the pressures, the disguise coverages, guys showing pressure and dropping back. So he gets a little bit better there. And then let's say he just hits one more deep pass out of, what, every five, six attempts – the offense is going to be just as good, if not even better. I expect a, some form of reinforcement to come in a rookie wide receiver, tight end, maybe running back. But it's going to be hard to downgrade from what Chris Conley, Demarcus Robinson kind of combined to give as that two-slash-three wide receiver, depending on if Watkins was healthy, 
expect an improvement there. And everybody else, just another year gelling together. I don't see what the major backslide is going to be, barring injury. And I'm going to go a little bit different route here. I mean, it it's it's realistic to expect that he'll do similar things because we shouldn't have expected that he was going to do this y- this year and then all the reasons that Matt just gave. But I think it's going to take a step back and it's because we're going to see more of this patented, you know, Andy Reid game-killing situation. The defense is going to be better next year. I know I said that this last year, but I, I, I fully believe that it's going to be better this year. I think there's going to be less reason to sort of run up the score and keep scoring late into games. I think we see a lot more running the football and slowly kind of killing off some games when the Chiefs are up three or four scores. I don't think it'll be 50-point outings or 45-point outings as often next year because they just won't need to. So, I mean, I could see it kind of going in a similar sense, but I think what you saw late in the season is teams tried to control tempo, and I think that's going to be something that will still be part of this. So if the Chiefs are in close games, if they're in tight games, you know, it'll be because teams are trying to do what – you know, some of the teams like the Chargers did and the Ravens did is control the clock, control the ball, slow this game down, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. I mean, the Patriots, I don't want to talk about that game, but even then, like, they controlled the game. So maybe teams try to go with that approach. Um, and that is that's something that could kind of limit this team's ability to be the exact same kind of explosive juggernaut you saw. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw 10 touchdowns in his first two games. Right. I mean, like, that's absurd. So I don't know if you're going to see, you know, insane blow up games like that. But I think, you know, they'll still be a good scoring offense. I still expect them to score over 30 points a game, which is still absurd. I think it might just be a little bit different how it's done and if it's done at every single, you know, every single game. Like, I bet you they score under 26 points one time next year. Right. You know, like, it's it's feasible. Yeah, I I don't believe that either. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at keith mclean our guy mclean is it mclean he goes by mclean and he always gets mad at me right it's mclean right i'm just gonna let you keep screwing it up yeah, i know okay. I'm, there's a very I'm simple terrible. way to remember it but i know i'm <laughs> i'm the worst uh if i could pick up one case of beer next time i come to kansas city to bring back home uh besides beers that i can get where i live what uh, should i get this this one is a tough question for me, but because I want to give these guys a shout out, I did do one of their beers uh, in the off season this past year. BKS Artisan Ales. They are great in Kansas City. You can go see my friends. I'm calling them my friends because I've now met them several times. Brian and Mary Rooney, the owners. They make several awesome beers. Holstein milk stout they infuse it with chocolate they infuse it with vanilla they infuse it with coffee it just depends on what you're going there to get or counterculture ipa is a great beer or any one of their saisons or farmhouses you're just not going to go wrong with anything they make go there they are a teeny tiny brewery there's probably about 20 to 25 seats in this thing go there pick up a case of whatever they got and you'll be happy uh at Brandon422, if you could interview anyone in the Chiefs organization, who would it be? Um, I'd probably go... I'd probably go with... I'm Patrick Mahomes is an easy answer. I'll, I'll go with Andy Reid. Uh, if I could get like 20 minutes with him, I would just be really fascinated to just like pick his brain about his process. Uh, designing plays, building an offense, all that kind of stuff. So something along those lines. I think there's only one right answer here, and that is the very handsome BJ Kissel. You stole my answer. (laughs) 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 All right, Craig, your turn. Uh, I was going to say BJ BJ Kissel because I'd really like to meet that guy sometime. He seems like a cool dude. He seems I. He's, I don't know. It's Pat. Why are we debating this? It's Pat. Can you imagine the numbers that we would get on this podcast if Patrick <laughs> Mahomes came on this? It would be insane. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lame answer, but... 
you know, whatever. Okay. You're besides, lame. Give me Pat. BJ, I'll tell you what. Pat can come on, and you don't get to talk to him. Oh besides my BJ, I think a fun one would be, be Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones would be a blast to interview. Oh, yeah, they could be so much fun. You mean you'd get good stuff, and you'd get a lot of a lot of football talk. But I think you could have some fun with that interview as well. Right. Uh, at Zach R two asked, which player on the Chiefs needs to improve the most this offseason? Great hey guys, question. I appreciate you lobbing up these softballs late in the mailbag. Breland speaks answer. He needs to get better at football. Um, yeah, I think that's about the end of my answer. There, no, but really, he's got to be better as a pass rusher. He's got to be better with his hands. He really was not that good against the run this year. I know he's a bigger guy, and everybody's kind of penciled in, myself included, as this strong defensive end holding up against the run. He was not very good again at, at it as a rookie. He needs to be better there more than anything else. And any pass rush he gets is just a bonus from there. But he has to improve in just about every area, including conditioning. He looked like he kind of got worse and put into worse and worse shape physically as the year went on. He looked like he was just moving a little stiffer to me. He just has to get better to be on the field next year. And the Chiefs sorely need him on the field. I, I'm going to just straight up ignore the linebacker position and pretend like it didn't exist this past year. <laughs> wow. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it didn't Kendall exist Fuller. this year. It didn't exist. Yeah, this I year. mean, Sorry. it, it, it really didn't. I'm I'm gonna go with Kendall Fuller. Now Kendall wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. Kendall was not bad, but he he wasn't necessarily the kind of slot corner that he needed to be. He still struggles to carry guys vertically. He struggled coming in and out of breaks. He's obviously got very good hips, very good footwork. He he showed up, flashed a little more ball skill than he had in some of his previous years, which is good. I mean, he was really the only guy on this team that flashed it at any real point. But he, he just needs to take that extra step in this new scheme and kind of shore up that slot corner position. He's going to be playing there for 75% of the snaps next year. If he can really lock down that spot, he, he's really going to help kind of tie that whole thing together. Guys, I've got to say it. I gotta, I, I'm going to go where Craig wouldn't. It's Anthony Hitchens. It's not even close. Like this Who? guy, Anthony Hitchens. Oh, uh, he's a he's a guy that the Chiefs signed to a giant contract last year. Uh, I think it's averaging over nine million dollars a year, uh, something along those lines. You might have seen him uh, on the uh, na- on the Chiefs side of the uh, line of scrimmage a few times. I don't think you really saw him behind it. Uh, next year, his cap hit is nine point five million dollars. In 2020, his cap hit is $11.3 million. They need this guy to step up this year. He's got to improve his game. He was a non-factor for basically the entire season. And if this new scheme does not help him, then Brett Veach has a lot of questions he's got to answer. At Lawrence Hillis, last question. How do you expect the dynamic to change this offseason with regard to free agents? KC has never had an MVP quarterback, and I think that could be the deciding factor for some of these guys weighing otherwise similar free agent offers. I have an article I plan on writing here shortly about the Patrick Mahomes effect. This guy is about to make Kansas City the place to chase rings, which just saying that is just it's just mm. ridiculous. Mm. I mean, got Calais Campbell, if he gets cut, you saw him talking on, you know, mic'd up during the Pro Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is a bad man. I cannot talk like Calais Campbell. That man has an elite voice. It's one <laughs> of the best good. voices in football. It was not. <laughs> you, you can't do it. It's impossible. None of you can either. I'm just, I have the gumption to try. Uh, none of your, uh, none of your impressions sound like the guy. That's anyway, not true. Go ahead, kid. Eric Bieniemy <laughs> does a good job. Um, yeah, no. it's, it, this it, Patrick Mahomes is gonna is is going to make this place more attractive than it's ever been. This is the place that people are going to want to go in Super Bowls. And there's some guys that you know could be intriguing. Uh, even Gerald McCoy, like, figure it out. You know, if he's not if he's not yeah, too big of a if he's not big of a of a contract, like, figure that guy out too. There's there's plenty of guys. Earl Thomas. Maybe Earl Thomas is in play. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's a situation where you see everybody wants to hang out with that guy. I mean, he's our 
I want to hang out with him. Well, I mean, you didn't pick him for the podcast, so Facts. that's debatable. But <laughs> <laughs> they they, they want to spend time around him. He's our nerdy, goofy MVP quarterback, and everybody loves him. Everybody wants to spend time around him. Everybody wants to talk to him. They, he got mobbed by NFL players at the Pro Bowl the whole time that he was there. That's ridiculous. That's the kind of effect that you are going to see. Kent's exactly right. There's probably going to be guys that are going to take less than they could elsewhere. Still a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but less than they could elsewhere to come play in Kansas City because this is the spot that can get consistently to the championship games, to the Super Bowl, and then all you got to do is make a couple plays and you can hold, win the whole damn thing. Yeah, I think there's going to be free agents that are more enticed to come to Kansas City than years past and maybe some other teams. I just think football, unlike other sports, you don't get as many guys that are willing to take substantial pay cuts to go for that championship just ring because it's such a violent physical sport. Your career is literally on the line pretty much 16, I guess, 19, 20 games if you're going to go play to the Super Bowl every single time, you know, 60 times a game. It's not like the NBA or Major League Baseball where you can just go onto a team, take a cheap contract, and there's still a very good chance that you're going to be able to make it. And if not, you can go sign a big contract again the year after. The NFL, it kind of matters. If you go take a low-end deal to try to win a Super Bowl, it's just such a huge risk, so it doesn't happen a ton. Now, the Patriots have gotten a lot of guys to do it, it's usually guys that nobody else wanted, but very rarely do you see superstars or just really top-end guys take substantially less money to go play football for another team just because of the ring in the NFL. I'm interested for the possibilities of that with Patrick Mahomes. I just don't know if the Chiefs are still going to get any major bargains because of it. And I'll say, I don't think it's bargains as much as it is, I think... He's a tiebreaker. I think some players might be willing to be a little bit more creative with structure of contract potentially to make sure it works because I think you do see that in some instances across the league. So it's not necessarily like I obviously if, you know, if the Jets want to pay you 15 million, you're not taking 10 to come to Kansas City. But, you know, if they can get to 14, maybe and if, if and they might be a little more apt to kind of be flexible and kind of work it such that it makes sense to help this team actually have the assets to win a Super Bowl so that's kind of where I'm at I don't think it's just going to be like flat out guy I don't think Clay is Campbell's coming for five dollars I don't think Earl Thomas is coming and playing for a league minimum but they might be more willing to to maybe make it such that it's it's more feasible for them to go chase a ring and and bring stuff around them that's it for this week's episode we will talk to you next week and the ap draft show will be back next week as well talk to you later